Welcome to Squares and Sharps. I am your host, Karan Bhatia. Thank you so much for joining me. We are going to be breaking down a huge sports weekend to come. We're going to tell you where you can find value, what picks you should make, and I will be talking to some great experts. But first, we are powered by squaresandsharps.com. It's sports betting apparel and gear. It's what winners wear. You want to check it out, squaresandsharps.com. So, of course, we will be looking ahead to UFC 252, DC versus Stipe. It's the trilogy fight. We saw these guys match up twice before. They were extremely exciting fights, and no doubt the third fight is going to be just that as well. But is there any value there? That is the question, and that's what we'll be talking to some experts about. In addition, it's also a big boxing weekend. We got David Benavidez on Showtime. We got Brighthouse versus McCaskill on The Zone. Carl Frampton will be fighting. Mick Conlin is another one on ESPN. So there's a huge boxing weekend, including a bunch of undercards on both UFC and boxing. So I'm talking to some experts. First up, it's Luke. You know him as SWR underscore betting on Twitter. You've seen his work. He's going to break down this UFC card. Tell us where we can find value. And then I'll be speaking to Shaq. You know him at MMA Genius 5 on Twitter. You've seen him on bestfightpicks.com. He's going to give you his picks. We're going to go deep into this UFC card and tell you where you can find value. And then on the boxing side, who better to talk about boxing and betting than Ringwalk John? You know him as Jonathan Lear. You've seen his work everywhere. He's going to break down all of these fights coming up on all these different platforms, all these different networks, and we're going to go through the card, go through the undercards, find spots for value that you can take advantage of. And then finally, Dan Canobio from CompuBox. He counts punch statistics, numbers. This is what he does. And he's going to tell us about trends that we should look out for, things to look out for that the proprietary numbers allow you to see that you may not otherwise see. So it's a stacked weekend of fights and it's also a stacked uh, group of guests. So let's get into it. This podcast is brought to you by squaresandsharps.com. Squares and Sharps is what winners wear. We are the brand for sports bettors. Please visit squaresandsharps.com for high quality sports betting apparel and gear. Use promo code CURRENT2020 for 15% off your next order and for free shipping. Do you like Jorge Masvidal's Scarface-inspired suit? It was created by Mohan's Custom Tailors of NYC. Turn your own dream into a reality. Visit the legendary Mohan's Custom Tailors located steps away from Grand Central at 301 Madison Avenue. You can contact them at 212-697-0050 or by visiting mohansnyc.com. Make an appointment now. If you're enjoying this show, check out my other podcast, Ask the Experts with Karan Bhatia. It's available on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. And check out my YouTube page, youtube.com backslash Karan Bhatia. I am Karan Bhatia. I am joined by Luke Lampy. This is Squares and Sharps. And you can find Luke at SWR underscore betting on Twitter. You can hear him on the Club and Sub podcast he's a contributor to mma odds breaker um, all his bets are free to his email subscribers you can find more information on his social media handles and of course 
If you want to buy any apparel, his coupon code is SWR2020 for 15% off and free shipping from squaresandsharps.com. Now, you have a choice there because you have to either use his code or you can use current 2020 as your code. So that's if you're listening, that's, that's up to you. Um, Luke, that was a huge intro because there is so much you do. Uh, so thanks for joining me. How are you doing today? Very good. How about yourself? Uh, glad to be on for the first time uh, and talk some fights. Yes, absolutely. I'm doing great. And we are looking forward to another stacked card. It seems like there's always a stacked card in, in UFC and, and we're lucky enough to preview it and, and find some spots for value. So UFC 252, we know it's DC. We know it's Stipe. We've seen these guys uh, before. We've seen uh, tons of data in terms of what we want to, you know, in terms of our picks and things like that, because we've seen these guys square up before. How much are you looking at the first two fights when you're doing your analysis for this third fight? Uh, yeah, pr- pretty, pretty heavily, I would say, um, largely just because we do have, um, as you touched on, a decent sample size of data to go off of. Um, usually I'll try to look at, obviously, the, the other fights and whatnot is supplementary information. But between the two fights, we have almost uh, 25 minutes uh, to analyze there and quite a bit to unpack. So uh, in terms of handicapping this one, uh, I largely focused on on the first two fights. And this fight, you know, basically is looking like a pick And it, it's going to be really interesting because... In the first fight, obviously, DC was able to, to get the knockout. He looked pretty dominant, but it was, you know, he did it early. Um, and then in the second fight, DC was doing his thing, and Stipe found that left hand to the body. And I guess the question for me is, you know, will uh, Stipe find that again? Obviously, DC is going to be more prepared this time around. How do you see this fight playing out? Yeah, I've, I've seen a, a lot of people on both sides of this one, and rightfully so, as as the odds indicate at, at pretty much pick them with a slight lean to DC right now. But um, actually, uh, I'm leaning towards the Stipe side here. I, I don't have a bet uh, on this fight right now. Um, but really, there's just a lot of interesting questions that, that come up uh, in regards to this fight, because like I said, we do have now 25 minutes uh, available uh, of research on it to accurately assess this third fight. And so my big question coming in into this um, is, is how does Stipe approach the fight? Because we kind of saw uh, DC for at least the large majority of those minutes in both uh, both of those fights kind of doing what DC needed to do to have a lot of success there. And then we saw Stipe have uh, a lot of success late, obviously, in the second fight as well. So I think if Stipe fights his kind of fight and fights more technical and doesn't get into, like, these big brawling pocket-type exchanges, uh, I I actually favor Stipe to win this fight a a decent majority of the time. But if he kind of fights uh, fights in that phone booth with DC, as he's shown to to have done in – in the past couple fights, uh, I think he's given DC more of an opportunity uh, than he than he needs to win. So um, I'm I'm picking Stipe, but uh, it, it's a tricky one. And it it is a tricky one. That's why the odds are so close. Um, I think you said that you probably won't make a play on on this fight straight up. Any props that you're looking at on this fight that are maybe interesting? Um, I'm actually just not a big prop guy uh, in general, to be honest. Uh, I largely stick to straight bets and totals. If I do bet props, I'm usually kind of betting the uh, the violence props, like like the fight doesn't go to decision or like the um, fight doesn't start X round or whatnot. Uh, just I guess I I, t- I tend to be a little bit um, more of a safer better um, just just for variance purposes because when you kind of start diving into the props. Uh, like I said, you're 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 now predicting on on times and outcomes, which I just think 
think adds a lot more variance in, but there, there's on occasion where, where I will take one, but uh, uh, here there's, there's nothing really standing out. And there's so many storylines in this one, especially with DC saying he's going to retire after the fight. I mean, I feel like that just adds so much because uh, when you are a great fighter, they sometimes have that final last performance of doing something great. And maybe that will be the case, but Stipe is, you know, one of the greatest heavyweights uh, in UFC history for a reason. So fascinating main event. There's, it's also a fascinating card and there's a bunch of other good fights. And I wanted to ask you about those. Sean O'Malley, we've seen him do his thing. Highlight reel knockouts. He's got the rainbow colored hair and he's getting a test here with Vera. Vera's tough. He's never been finished. Uh, and I personally am looking at this as a great measuring stick fight to first Sean O'Malley. What is Sean O'Malley? And I think we're going to find out a lot. I'm looking at five dimes right now. O'Malley at minus 310. Um, what do you make of that matchup? And are, are you seeing any value in that one? Yeah, this is definitely another another interesting one. As you touched on, this is definitely uh, Sean's toughest test to date. And a guy in uh, Marlon Vera, who I think has really made uh, drastic improvements to his game since entering uh, entering the UFC. I believe he's on a five-fight um, win streak right now, four or five fights. Um, his strikings came a long way. He kind of came in as more of like a your, your traditional like crafty BJJ guy. But like I said, the strikings came a long way. And so, you know, O'Malley's another guy who's just been largely running through all these guys and hasn't really faced uh, a ton of adversity. And, you know, when when the fights have been extended, we've seen him slow down a little bit. He gets a little bit more hittable, but largely he's coming in here and sparking guys. So what's really interesting about this matchup is that Vera's traditionally a, a pretty slow starter. I think he's lost the first round um, in like six of his last nine, nine or so fights. Uh, but kind of one of his big core competencies is that, you know, the guy's tough and resilient and he comes back and he, he finds ways to, to overcome that adversity and, and, you know, win fights. So it's one of those situations where if Sean can't spark him early, I'm really curious to see how he deals with um, Marlon in those latter rounds. But I think that that first five minutes is going to be pretty crazy being that Sean's fast starter and, and Marlon's historically a slow one. Uh, and, and, you know, Marlon's a, a guy who's pretty hittable as well. And Sean just, throws those absolute rockets down the pipe. So um, I'm picking O'Malley here, but man, this is like, like you touched on, this is the, the toughest test for him here. Uh, I know I've seen a couple people betting Vera and I get it uh, 100%. I think if you are to bet this fight straight, it, I think it's a dogger pass situation, but uh, I'm picking O'Malley. I just, I don't think Marlon's the guy to do it uh, and take that first O of O'Malley, but um, it's coming. Uh, it, I just, I just don't think there is the guy. Yeah. It will be interesting to see, uh, how this fight goes in terms of if it makes it to the deep water, right? The conventional wisdom being O'Malley, uh, will have maybe success early, or if this goes in deep water, that could maybe be a bad thing. That's what we're going to find out. And that's why it is such an interesting fight. Um, there's, more fights on this card of a lot of fighters we've heard of junior dos santos versus rosenstrike um there's a lot of questions in this one uh and i guess i guess the biggest question of all would be what does dos santos have left right yeah i i would agree definitely his uh durability has came into question um in recent years the guy's been around forever i think he came into the ufc all the way back in uh 2008 he's had over 20 ufc fights has been fighting the, the best guys in the division pretty much that entire time um, and has had a lot of success there. I believe he's 15 and six uh, in the UFC to boot. So um, 
but when these guys start getting into their mid to late thirties, you know, there's always kind of that, that drop off point. And usually once it, once it comes, it, it comes and it comes in waves. Um, so whether that's this point, uh, or not for Dos Santos, I'm not 100% sure, but I am going, uh, uh, Rosen strike here. I just think, well, I guess I'll preface by saying I've never been the biggest proponent of Rosen strike. I still think there's a lot of question marks on him. The, the guy's got a lot of really fast finishes. Anytime we've seen the, the, the fights really extended, uh, he struggled uh, mainly in the, in that Overeem fight. So it's really kind of just hard to assess his game since he's just been coming in here and sparking guys uh, pretty fast. And, you know, JDS is a really solid boxer. He's been doing it forever. So he kind of could play that outside pitter-patter game uh, and, and outstrike him from the outside. But ultimately, I think these two are going to clash horns uh, multiple times in this fight and and someone's getting knocked out. And I, I think it's going to be – a uh, Dos Santos looking up at the lights. So I actually did make a play on this. I put a unit on the uh, fight doesn't uh, go to decision at minus 285. Uh, it's a little bit more of a chalky play than I, I usually play. Uh, I try to you know stick to dogs and, and kind of these like slight favorites for, for a little bit more value. But yeah, this is just one of those spots, man, where I'm, I'm definitely willing to lay the price because I, like I said, I, I don't see how, how what, bo- uh, both these guys stay conscious for 15 minutes uh, with some of the leather that's going to be thrown. So It'll most definitely be an explosive fight. And as we know, Father Time is undefeated. So those are the things to think about in this one. Uh, another great fight on the card, Dodson versus uh, Davala Shavili, um, better known as Mayrob. So that, that's another good fight. We've seen Dodson in there with tough competition before. We've seen what he, we can, what he can do. Mayrob, he's, uh, he's got that style that's very, very, very tough to handle. He, he's a beast in there. Um, and he's just a tough out in general. Um, and so, you know, it's, it's a close fight in terms of the numbers I'm looking right now on, on five dimes. I see Dodson at plus 200, Mayrob at minus 240. Um, close fight. What do you think about those numbers and what do you think about the fight? So this, this is a really difficult fight uh, to handicap that I found uh, just through doing tape. And I say that for a few reasons. One, we've never really seen a guy go super wrestle heavy on John Dodson before. And I also think this is the best striker that Marab has fought in the UFC. So I think those are two um, very key components in, in the difficulty I had in terms of assessing this fight. Um, Dotson's a guy who historically fought at 125 majority of this, his career, but recently moved up over the last four years. Um, he's, a, he's a guy who's getting up there in age, but we just saw him put, put the vet lesson on a young guy, Nathaniel Wood, in his, in his last performance. Uh, he's a guy who's going to be bouncing around down the outside and Rob's going to look, uh, look to land takedowns in high volume and, and just be that pressure, pressure bl- blanket. So really the question is, is can Rob do that to Dotson, um, really over the course of 15 minutes? Uh, I think he can, um, but I'm not, I guess, as confident on, um, Rob at least to, to lay, uh, this kind of price on him. Uh, pretty much all the action I've seen has been coming in on Marab. Haven't seen a lot of Dotson backers. And, and Dotson's just one of those crafty guys, man, where if, if we kind of get that John Dotson of like 2015, 2016 John Dotson, and, you know, he's able to stuff some of these takedowns and fight at range, I, I do think he's probably the better striker here. Uh, but Marab is also going to be the one going forward, which optically looks better in the eyes of the judges. So uh, I, I think this one could play closer than odds indicate, but uh, I'm going Marab. There you have it. And this card overall, I mean, there's a lot of uh, people that we've heard of on the rest of the card. There's Jim Miller, Felice Herrig, uh, Herbert Burns, obviously well-known um, because of his brother and, and his own accomplishments as well. So 
there's always value down the card, I'm sure. Um, any of these matchups, any any other fights on this card that you're looking at and looking to make a play on? Yeah, so I, my, my very first bet I made uh, for this card was, I believe, about three or four days ago on uh, Vince Pichel over Jim Miller at minus 110. He currently sits minus 125, so a little bit of monies came in on him, uh, but, but not too much. Um, this will make the second fight in a row that I'm betting against Jim Miller. I had a pretty big bet on Roosevelt Roberts against him, and uh, Roberts kind of tripped off of a kick, and, and Miller jumped on him and, and, and subbed him pretty quickly. So Jim Miller, at, at this point in his career, uh, he's just largely like a first-round uh, finisher bus kind of guy. He hasn't won a fight on the cards uh, in five years, and you know he's fighting a guy in Pichel who – who's been relatively inactive over the course of his career, but, but it's just a really tough, durable, well-rounded guy. And I think a guy who kind of slips under a lot of people's radars. Uh, and I think really he poses a style that's just not great for Jim Miller, because if Pichel is able to stuff takedowns, uh, which I think he will and extend this fight, uh, we've seen Miller kind of just accept that back foot, stay behind the black line and guys have kind of just picked him apart over the course of three rounds, uh, just for example, the, the the Scott Holtzman fight, the Anthony Pettis fight, the French, Francisco Trinaldo fight. So, it's really how how often does does Miller get get those first round subs? And I just don't think you can keep banking on that uh, over the years, especially against a guy like Vince Pichel. So even if this fight does hit the ground too, Vince is a brown belt. Uh, he's pretty defensively responsible. Uh, so even if even if it does hit the mat, I don't necessarily think it's going to be a as quick of a finish for Miller, despite his high submission acumen, but I think there's a, a tremendous amount of potential on Vince Bichelle at this price. It's great analysis. That'll be a really great fight as well. Um, anything else stick stand out to you in, in the card? Um, well, we've seen a couple fights fall off. There's a couple fights uh, earlier on the undercard that I didn't look too heavily into just because there wasn't a, a whole lot of tape um, available. Um, but yeah, that that's pretty much pretty much all I have uh, for right now. So, and, and in terms of, you know, you broke down a bunch of different fights and gave us a lot of things to look at. If you had to pick your biggest lock, your biggest certainty on some of the fights you told us about, what would that be? Just from a picking perspective or a betting perspective? From a, yeah, from a uh, betting perspective. Um, I'm locks, putting you on well, the spot a little bit. I hope that's okay. <laughs> no, that, no, that's fine. It, it's one of these really weird cards where I wouldn't, I don't know if I'd really classify anybody in the lock uh, category. I think some of these lines are, are a little high, but they're one of those situations where I don't necessarily see enough uh, value on the dog in just identifying different paths to victory. Um, it's one of those spots where I think, uh, I think the favorites should really roll on this card, um, assuming they come with correct game plans and the best version of themselves shows up. But uh yeah, I don't know if I'd throw anybody into the lock category here. If, if gun to my head, if I had to say anybody, I, I would probably say it would be Marab, though. Um, just because, I, we, like I said, we haven't seen that, that anybody take that game plan to Dotson before. And I think Marab has, has proven to, to be able to do it to tough guys and like Ricky Simone and, and toss people around. So I think he'll have a pretty big size advantage and strength advantage here, too. So uh, gun to my head, that, that's what I would say. But... Overall, I don't think we have too many locks here. 
it'll be a tremendous night of fights and some spots to maybe make a play and other spots to just kind of put your feet up and enjoy some good combat sports. I'm definitely looking forward to it this Saturday. Luke, thank you so much for joining me. And just to close it out, tell people where they can find you and where they can hear more of your analysis. Yep. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at SWR underscore betting. I also do a, or I run a website, SWRMMA.com, where I do full card breakdowns, where I give my picks, predictions, and betting tips for every uh, UFC card. Uh, it's pretty extensive. It's it's not exactly the, the shortest read in the world, uh, uh, but I like to give you guys uh, the, the most analysis out there as possible to to help you make, make your bets. Uh, so peruse through that. Uh, if, if you will, uh, we're also actually currently running a, a giveaway uh, through Squares and Sharps right now over on my Twitter. The tweet is pinned on my profile if you head over there. Uh, essentially, if you follow both myself, once again, that's at SWR underscore betting and Squares and Sharps at Squares and Sharps. Uh, like and retweet that tweet. Pick the main event correctly along with the method of victory. Uh, we'll pick one winner to pick out one item of their choosing under $40 over at squaresandsharps.com. So uh, nice little fun giveaway if you got a really uh, strong read on the main event. I know a lot of people do and are very opinionated about it. Uh, yeah, guys, definitely go check out uh, the giveaway for a chance at some uh, uh, solid free merch. It's a great giveaway. I don't know if I'm eligible, but I'm going to do that right after we get off of this uh, conversation. Luke, thank you so much uh, for the time, for breaking it down, and enjoy the fights on Saturday. Yep. Thanks, Corinne. This podcast is brought to you by squaresandsharps.com. Squares and Sharps is what winners wear. We are the brand for sports bettors. Please visit squaresandsharps.com for high quality sports betting apparel and gear. Use promo code CURRIN2020 for 15% off your next order and for free shipping. Do you like Jorge Masvidal's Scarface-inspired suit? It was created by Mohan's Custom Tailors of NYC. Turn your own dream into a reality. Visit the legendary Mohan's Custom Tailors located steps away from Grand Central at 301 Madison Avenue. You can contact them at 212-697-0050 or by visiting mohansnyc.com. Make an appointment now. If you're enjoying this show, check out my other podcast, Ask the Experts with Karen Bhatia. It's available on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. And check out my YouTube page, youtube.com backslash Karen Bhatia. I am Karen Bhatia. This is Squares and Sharps. I am joined by Shaq. You know who I'm at, at MMAGenius05 on Twitter, bestfightpicks.com backslash Shaq. Shaq, thanks so much for joining me. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, man. I'm uh, happy to be on the show. Uh, big fans of you guys, and I'm really excited for this card, man. This main event, it, it kind of seems like a like a historical thing, man. It, it's kind of like going to project, uh, you know, who's the greatest heavyweight of all time. So I'm super excited. A lot to look forward to on this card, and that's what we're going to talk to you about. We're going to look for spots for value, uh, things people can look at. Um, to maybe get an edge. So let's start at the top, the main event. It's the trilogy fight, DC versus Stipe. We've been waiting for this one for a long time. So there's a lot of data here because they've fought twice before, and that was pretty recently. We know DC was able to get the knockout in the first fight. In the second fight, Stipe, of course, with that left hand to the body in the fourth round, he found that. So coming into this uh, main event, I mean, who do you think is – 
trending in the better in the better uh, way. We know obviously Stipe won the more recent fight. One hundred percent, man. This is a. Uh, we know that we've seen about uh, twenty five minutes, you know, between these guys. You know, we know that Cormier knocked him out in the first round in the first fight, but in the second fight, it's safe to say that Cormier could have been up three zero, you know, going into that fourth round, or you know, two one at the worst. And you can definitely say that in the majority of the rounds, he has won them. Um, but Stipe Miocic, it's like the greatest heavyweight of all time. How can you ever go against this guy? We're talking about a guy that beat Francis Ngannou. I mean, at the time, he was a big underdog in that fight. And, I mean, he uh, he uh, ruined a lot of people's nights, man. He uh, he uh, he went out there and proved a lot of guys wrong. And it's, it's, it's one of those things where I'm not opposed to taking either side, you know. I feel like both of these guys are all-time greats great fighters. Obviously, Steve Miocic has the height, the reach, and maybe he's better uh, in the late rounds, but I do feel like Cormier possibly ha has a little more firepower early. You know, he's, he's got the wrestling, and I do feel like in the early rounds, he's definitely live for a knockout. So I am personally slightly leaning his way, but man, if you if you got an yeah, underdog bet on Steve Miocic, man, they, I don't think we should feel bad about it at all. First few rounds, but he was able to get the victory. Um, Cormier saying this is his last fight, so maybe that will play. Uh, play a factor. He also said in the in the last fight before that there was some mental issues going on, cutting weight, things like that. Uh, so it's a very very interesting fight. There's also always the concern that you know Father Time is undefeated, as we know Cormier getting older in age, um, and so we'll we'll have to see if that plays a factor. So in terms of the odds, it's basically a pick 'em fight. Um, so do you think there's any value there in, in this main event? Man, personally, I don't. I just, it's personally one I just want to sit back and enjoy just because, man, when you get two high caliber fighters on this level, you know, the, the margin of error is so small, man. It, it could literally go either way uh, in any moment. Um, I, I keep going back and forth on it, man. Um, but to be honest, I like some of the other options on the card, you know, in, in comparison. I, I, I agree with this being a pick and fight just because, you know, Stipe made that good adjustment in the fourth round of the last fight going to the body, and that pretty much, you know, opened the floodgates for him, and he was able to get the finish. But I can't deny the fact that Cormier, you know, when he was fresh and when he was maintaining his energy, that he was getting the better of it, and he knocked him out in the Nothing first fight. So the feet it, up it's one of those tricky fights. Main event, I'm gonna, I want to sit back said, The question will be, did Stipe find that left hand to the body? Will that still be there? We know obviously DC is a smart guy, trains really hard, and he obviously is prepared for that this time around. So it'll be fascinating to see how that fight comes off. But to your point, it's a good card top to bottom. There's a lot of spots for value. So let's keep it rolling to the next fight. We have Sean O'Malley. A lot of people comparing him to a young Conor McGregor because he's got the highlight, real knockouts. He's got the, the charisma, the flair. He's getting a little bit of a test here, right, against Vera. Um, Vera's a tough guy. He's never been stopped. Uh, and right now when I'm looking at the odds on five dimes, I'm seeing O'Malley at minus 325. Um, anything sticking out to you in that fight? Any spots for value? Yeah, the big theme this week I see is, you know, is O'Malley ready for those deep waters? Is he ready? You know, what happens if he can't get a first-round knockout? And, man, I, 
you know, at first I was kind of, you know, singing a similar tune. Um, it's just, man, after watching the tape, man, I'm really impressed with this guy. I actually think he's more of the real deal than people think. And, and I'm not going to say, you know, the line's warranted and there's, there's value on the line. But to be honest, man, if, there, if I had to pick a side, it would be O'Malley's side. And I'll tell you why. I, I like Vera. I think he's grown tremendously throughout his UFC career. It's just, you know, stylistically, Vera gets hit a lot. And, you know, I, I know, uh, you know, a lot of people think the song Yadong fight was a robbery. I actually bet Marlon Vera in that fight. I think it was like plus 170. Just thinking that, you know, there was some value on the line, thinking it could be a, a, a closer fight than uh, a lot of people thought. And it was. But, the, the you know, the issue in that fight was Vera was doing good in the clinch. He had some takedowns. You know, he was definitely doing in the clinch, but the boxing – it was such a discrepancy in the boxing that every time they got on the outside, Song Yadong would just pretty much touch him up at will. I mean, even in the third round that Marlon won, that round was still close in my eyes, too. I, I definitely think Vera uh, won that round, but, you know, the, there was such a discrepancy in the boxing between the two men that, you know, I, I kind of was thinking, man, this might actually be a good logical step up for Sean because, you know, you don't want to put him in there with guys, you know, with that hard D1 wrestling shot that can, you know, put him on the ground. Vera doesn't really have that. He's got more of a trip style, you know, where uh, he takes a lot of damage in his fights. We've seen him get rocked several times before, you know, uh, you know, kind of start slow. And I feel like if he does that against Sean O'Malley, there's a good chance he gets knocked out. But I also think, you know, a lot of people forget that, you know, when we see these prospects start off, you know, we want to see them go through some tough waters. And I feel like O'Malley has been through that in the Tarion Ware fight. Now, I know Tarion Ware is in a UFC level or, you know, I know he went 0-4, but it was, he still fought very tough competition in that in those four losses. He fought Marab, Stamen, O'Malley, and uh can't forget who, forget who the other one was. But, you know, uh, I still think that in that second round where he was kind of, you know, starting to slow down a little bit, I like the way that he sucked it up in that third round. So I – I do feel like Sean O'Malley has that dog in him, you know, if this fight gets dirty, that he can suck it up and possibly will himself through. So I actually think Sean O'Malley's going to come out here and get the win. I actually think he's going to impress a lot of people. I think he's going to beat Cheeto Vera up for 15 minutes. You know, I get the line is wide, but I think it's for a reason, man. I think this kid's the real deal, the skill, the striking skills that he's displayed so far. And, you know, the ground, the whole, you know, Cheeto Vera is a black belt, and we haven't seen him on the map. But this guy is putting in work with Tanquino Mendez, who's like a, a super, super duper uh, black belt. Uh, and he's getting that personalized attention, man. So I actually, I, I'm actually buying the O'Malley hype, man, this weekend. So I think he's going to lose. You're on the hype train like many people are, and this will be a great measuring stick for us to see what Sean O'Malley's made of. Vera sometimes can be a slow starter, so maybe O'Malley can take advantage of that early. If it goes into deep water, that's where it'll get very, very interesting. Definitely looking forward to that fight. Also on this card, we're going back to the heavyweights. We have Junior Dos Santos versus Rosenstrike. That's another heavyweight bout. Um, the the odds are pretty close on that one from what I'm seeing, almost a pick fight. Uh, but you could maybe look at some other things in terms of over-under, if you think there's going to be a knockout early in that fight. Uh, take us through that fight. What do you think about that one? Man, this is an interesting one because, you know, a part of me feels like Junior Dos Santos might be a little washed up. I mean, he, you know, his last fight kind of was a little alarming to me. I know Curtis Blades really doesn't lose to anyone besides Nganu, but, you know, uh, 
some of the boxing exchanges, Dos Santos just didn't look, you know, all that sharp. And Rosenstrike is is another guy where he kind of had this super fast track to that fight with Ngannou. And, you know, after rewatching some things, he still has a lot of work, man, he's to do. You know, he's still very young in this sport. Uh, you know, I know a lot of people think the Overeem fight that he was losing the majority of that fight, which he was, you know, uh, he was definitely down on the cards, but he was definitely able to land that knockout blow. This is one of those things where I feel like it could either, it's either going to go very good for Rosenstrike or it's either going to go very bad for Rosenstrike. As in, he might come out here and knock Junior Dos Santos out, but what about the over the other overall parts in his game? I mean, his clinch work is lacking. His ground game is lacking. You know, he kind of leaves his chin up in the air a little bit, but, you know, he was able to find some nice check left hooks and some, and some, uh, and that KO over Overeem. But other, other than that, man, he has been in some bad spots in the octagon, but uh, JDS, I don't want to say on the tail end, but, you know, we know what we're getting with JDS. He doesn't really look to shoot takedowns or clinch guys. So that's why I slightly lean Rosenstrike because I think JDS is going to come out here and strike with him. And I do think Rosenstrike is the sharper uh, guy, better counters, uh, probably can take slightly a better shot. But it's uh, it's very 50-50, man, to me. You know, I feel like it could go either way. And I actually think there is value on JDS. I mean, in my opinion, he is the more proven guy. He's been in there with Miocic and and uh, all these guys, Overeem. And although he hasn't had, you know, you know mixed results, but he's just he's got more experience. And, you know, I feel like Rosenstrike almost uh, kind of was exceeding expectations a little bit. You know, is he going to come back down to, to reality? So we'll see. I like the way you said that for uh, Junior Dos Santos' last fight. It was alarming. And uh, that, that's really the question. What does Junior Dos Santos have left? We will find out on Saturday night. Uh, keeping it going on this card, we got Dodson versus Davala Shafili. Um, it should be an interesting fight. We know Dodson's been in there with tough competition, Mighty Mouse and others. Uh, on the other end, um, we know that uh, Mayrab is, is, you know, workmanlike. Uh, he does his thing. Uh, he's a very, very, very tough person to fight with so what do you make of that fight and is there any value in that one and so you know initially you know I, this is one of the fight where I, I love Marab. i'm a bit i've been a becoming a big fan of Marab. you know i know the DraftKings guys love him he gets all the takedowns he uh you know he sets takedown records and you know i really like his energetic style he pushes these guys on the fence um, but this fight with Dotson is 100% the biggest fight of his career, the biggest test of his career. I love what Marab's done so far, but let's be honest here. It's only against, uh, you know, Brad Katona, Casey Kinney, and, you know, uh, I forget, Gustavo Lopez. You know, guys that, let's just be honest here, can't even breathe Dotson's air. So, you know, uh, I think Dotson kind of had a little bit of a rough patch, but, man, look at who, who it was against, Peter Yan, the current UFC champion. Jimmy Rivera is a top five guy. Um, who else did he lose to? Uh, he has a win over Pedro Munoz, who's a top five guy. So I feel like Dotson's one of these guys where no matter what, man, man it's going to be a hard fight. I know Marlon Marais went to a split decision with him. Like, no one's going to go out there and, and dominate John Dotson unless you're Peter Yan. Or even Peter Yan got dropped in that fight, though, you know. So it's like Dotson is a very – tough fight a lot more tough than people realize because you know he's got a tough style you know he kind of runs away a little bit and you know but he's so fast on the counters that if you're not careful you know you could get uh, caught and that's exactly what happened 
uh, his last fight against Nathaniel Wood, who at the time was the big prospect. I mean, his nickname is the prospect. So, you know, uh, Dotson was able to go out there and put him down. And Marab, I feel like Marab is probably, if he can make it to the cards, is probably going to win the decision just because his work rate is so high. And, you know, and Dotson's got great takedown defense. So I'm kind of curious, like, man, can he can he take can you take Dotson down and hold him down and keep taking him down? Or is that going to tire him out? So, man, personally, I do feel like this should be lined a little closer, man. I, I like Marab's skills, but I just think the competition level between the two, like, I just feel like Marab hasn't done enough yet to deserve this type of, you know, this line that he got, uh, at least where the line is currently over Dotson. I mean, Dotson's been in there with the cream of the crop, man. Like, you know, a guy like Marab isn't going to scare Dotson. You know, he he's seen it all. So uh, I do think there's some value on Dotson. Is he going to win the fight? Man, it's going to be tough with the, against a guy like Marab. But a betting perspective, man, it's not going pass for me. I love Marab, but what has he done? What has he done to, to be minus 220 over Dotson? It, a lot of close fights on this one, a lot of close odds, and um, it, it will be really interesting to see, and I think you broke it down perfectly there. So there's more fights on this card. There's names we've heard of, Jim Miller, Felice Herrig, uh, Herbert Burns. There's a lot of people that we've seen uh, before. Looking down the line, any fights that stick out to you, any spots for value, anything that you're looking at? Man, I love this kid, uh, Herbert Burns. I love the Herbert uh, Burns brothers and generals. Now, I know his line's a little wide, but, man, let me tell you, the, the jiu-jitsu level of the Burns brothers, it's one of those things where if they get on top of you one time while they're fresh or even on the bottom of you, man, you, uh, you're in big trouble. I mean, we saw what happened against Evan Dunham, who's a, another black belt. Now, I know Dunham was coming off uh, retirement, but, I mean, a black belt got submitted easily down there, man. And I think his striking is improving as well. So Herbert Burns, I think uh, I see another finish. He's got Pineda who, you know, he had those nice two wins in PFL. Um, but, you know, Pineda's a finisher, man. He either goes out on his shield or he or he gets the finish. So that's a fight I'm looking forward to. And I'm, and I'm excited to see Herbert Burns back in there. Absolutely. That, that'll be a great one to, to watch out for. So on everything we talked about on this card, is there one pick – uh, moment for, you know, spot for value that you're most confident for your biggest lock of what you think is going to happen? Uh, you know, that's a, that's a good uh, question. I'm still kind of ciphering that, but if I had to say right now, I'd probably say Herbert Burns, you know, I feel like he's, uh, you know, getting better, more comfortable in that, in that octagon. I know a lot of people, man, matter of fact, I know a lot of people have big bets on uh, Verna Jandaroba this weekend uh, against the lease. You know, I, I know some guys that got 10, 15 K bets on, on Jandaroba and you know Felice is coming off the ACL surgery so you know uh we'll see but if I had to say I'd say Herbert Burns yeah always interesting to see how a fighter comes back from an injury um that 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 will remain to be seen um and and yeah no I think I think that's some great spots for value there so uh overall with this card it's it's stacked it's gonna be a great night just in terms of you and and your process for what you do um how do you handle swings in, in the game? What's your process like? Uh, and just how do you manage, uh, you know, everything that you do in terms of your, your analysis and things like that? Man, it kind of, you know, it kind of, it kind of can change, you know, from, you know, from week to week, month to month, uh, year to year, you know, sometimes, man, it's like, uh, what the, well, now currently, man, you get so many newcomers stepping in on short notice and, and you kind of have to do new research on some of these guys and 
But then, you know, uh, it's, at the end of the day, man, I feel like the, the, the proven strategy, you know, the proven, uh, you know, a way to, to profit is just to find the value spots. You know, if you see the line that, you know, is a little bit off, you know, even though, you know, you might not necessarily feel like, man, am I going to win or not? But man, you know, it's just good to, to play things like that. Or I, I like, uh, you know, the minus uh, or like a, what I like to call like, a, you know, a no lose situation, kind of like uh, with the Herbert Burns and Evan Dunham, you know, where you where he might be lying, you know, minus two something, 240, 250. But, you know, it, it's like that for a reason, you know, uh, because he's going to win, you know, and you got to find those spots and capitalize and uh, you kind of got to stay away from the, the, you know, some of that, that chalk, man, that chalk uh, can, uh, can, can bite you in the ass sometimes because, you know, what, what happens if you play, you know, three, let's say you play seven minus 170s or, or 10 of them, 10 minus 170s, 160s, 150s. I mean, you could still, you know, go six and four and be done. You know? So you, you kind of want to, you know, you know, kind of, you know, get good bargain for your money, man. Absolutely. Well said. And I appreciate you breaking it down. So last question, just let people know where they can find you, where they can hear more of your analysis. Uh, man, me and, me and my boy, Dan, we uh, got half the battle. Uh, I think that's coming tomorrow. Yeah, tomorrow. Uh, so stay tuned for that. Catch me on that every before every single fight card. You can follow me at MMA Genius 05. Get at me on Instagram at uh, Shaq underscore BFB. And man, thanks uh, for having me on the show, man. Big fans of you guys. Shaq, thanks so much for the time. Thanks so much for breaking it down. Enjoy the fights on Saturday night. And I hope to talk to you soon. This podcast is brought to you by squaresandsharps.com. Squares and Sharps is what winners wear. We are the brand for sports bettors. Please visit squaresandsharps.com for high quality sports betting apparel and gear. Use promo code CURRIN2020 for 15% off your next order and for free shipping. Do you like Jorge Masvidal's Scarface-inspired suit? It was created by Mohan's Custom Tailors of NYC. Turn your own dream into a reality. Visit the legendary Mohan's Custom Tailors located steps away from Grand Central at 301 Madison Avenue. You can contact them at 212-697-0050 or by visiting mohansnyc.com. Make an appointment now. If you're enjoying this show, check out my other podcast, Ask the Experts with Karen Batia. It's available on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. And check out my YouTube page, youtube.com backslash Karen Batia. I am Karen Batia. I am chatting with Jonathan Lear. You know him as Ringwalk John. You can hear him on the Ringwalk podcast. It's on YouTube. It's wherever you listen to podcasts. It's everywhere. And so we're talking boxing and betting, and there's really uh, no one else better to speak about it with than you, John. Humbly, thank you. But there's a, there's probably a few more guys that are, are better than me. I could rattle off a couple, but we do okay. Thank you very much for that introduction, Karen. Thanks so much for chatting with me again. I've had you on my other podcast, Ask the Experts. Always great to chat with you. So we have a big bo- a big weekend of fights um, and hopefully a big weekend of betting. Now, what's interesting about this is in this show, I'm looking at UFC fights, I was looking at boxing. What's interesting is in the UFC fights, 
there's very close odds in a lot of fights. And a lot of fights yeah. this weekend in boxing are huge numbers, huge, huge favorites, basically. A lot of showcase fights. And that's, that'll be interesting to navigate. So I wanna, I'm curious to get your thoughts. So let's start with ESPN+. Plus. We have Carl Frampton fighting. We have Mick Conlon. We've seen these guys before. They've had a lot of success in the ring. Not necessarily fighting the best opposition. Um, no, and they're also not. opening as heavy, heavy favorites, right? So any, any value in these fights at all? You were right. The UFC usually offers a lot closer odds, and that's because they put the best against the best. And boxing betting is going to be a little bit different. You do have a lot of showcase fights. You do groom the fighters, and so you do get these long odds. Uh, it's one of the reasons why, though, boxing and betting have become synonymous over time, because people enjoy betting underdogs and, and trying to find value there. Um, if you're trying to f catch lightning in a bottle, sure. It can be fun to catch those, you know, 20 to 31 odds, which is what Frampton's opponent is in this fight. However, most of the time when you're betting on boxing, uh, if you do have these long odds, you're trying to figure out, uh, can I bet something on the round props? Can I bet something uh, as far as if I think the, the fight is going to finish inside the distance or if it's going to go to the cards and, and which way that breaks down? Um, Frampton's opponent is a late fill-in. Um, this is the softest of touches, and it's about the biggest of chalk that you can get uh, in betting. The over-unders are at five and a half. I, I usually, Curran, I, I say when I'm betting, I, I view it as a roulette wheel. And I'm trying to remove as many slots that that ball can fall in, right? Uh, because we want to, you know, have it land on our number. I don't know much about his opponent. Uh, I, you know, you don't know what a mentality is of a fighter who is already getting a soft touch. And now it's going to be even a softer touch. You know, you'd lean on the under five and a half just because he's going to be so dominant, uh, dominantly over him. But it's also at a little bit of a lighter weight class. So you don't just expect those knockouts to come. Uh, so that being said, I'm there's there's not as much value in the Frampton fight. Conlon, on the other hand, it's e almost break even odds on whether you see the fight uh, being a decision or a knockout. Uh, his opponent, Sofane Takut, is... Uh, not exactly a world beater. The last time that he was out, uh, he only lasted two rounds uh, against Warrington. And the lines makers have kind of seen that. Although Conlon is usually seen as somebody that goes the distance, isn't seen as somebody with power, the knockout prop right now sitting at a couple of books is at about minus 150, which is interesting to see for a Conlon fight because you usually would see him going the distance. Uh, whereas you're going to be getting some plus money on the decision. Uh, I had spoken with Conlon earlier on my show. I think that he has something to prove. A lot of people talk about how he needs to make step ups in competition. He's going to be taking a step down in weight. The last time that Sofane was out, uh, he was sparked in two and was overwhelmed. I don't see Conlon having that overwhelming power early, but wearing him down and looking for a stoppage late is something that I know that he kind of has in the back of his mind. So a stoppage minus 150 is a little bit pricey on a guy that's always been getting the decision. Uh, but maybe with the more round props that come out at a lot of books, you might be able to find some plus money a little bit later on in rounds. And that might be a lean of a play there. It's uh, interesting. Like you said, um, two guys who are kind of showcase fights, um, well-known guys. I commented earlier that it's interesting when they put up the fight poster and it's guy A and guy B, but they're not fighting each other. They're just saying, hey, this sure. card has yep. both guys. Yeah. And that usually means heavy favorites. In the yeah. case of Mick Conlon, um, 
he, in his last fight, went the decision. It was against his arch rival, Vladimir Nikitin. There's a lot of history there. Mm-hmm. But he's a young fighter, and he knows that he needs to make a statement so that he can get noticed, get these big fights, grow a following. So he may be more aggressive, right? We're going to hope that maybe he does go for the knockout or does something special. That doesn't mean he'll get it, but he may go for it. Um, you you spoke about those fights and, and where you may find value. Is there anything that in there that you personally are going to make a play on? So I usually wait to see what the line movement is. And once those, you know, odds are open to us here in the States, uh, for many that may be listening to this show or that listen to my show, they already have those odds available over in the UK. Uh, Bet365 is the one that usually breaks those odds for boxing. And so those types of prop odds usually come a little bit earlier. And then the market adjusts by the time it hits the States. So somebody that's betting, say, at minus 150 versus minus 175, a 25 cent change might not seem like a lot when you're just throwing down a random bet on any given weekend. But do that every weekend over the span of a year. And all of a sudden, you could have a huge difference in your bankroll come 12 months later. This has to be viewed as stocks. If you can buy Google at 100 or you can buy Google at 75, you're going to buy it at 75, right? And so I wait to see how the market adjusts by the time it hits the States. Uh, I make no bones about it. I like Mick Conlon. I know Mick Conlon. I've had him on my show plenty of times. And I really want him to bet the knock. I mean, to win by knockout. I think it would be good for him. I see that personally. So I... I try not to be too jaded when I give out advice on fighters that I like or know, but um, yeah, I'll probably be putting down a little bit on Conlon. How much is going to be based on what I see from the market by the time it hits the States. I, I think that he'll end it within the distance, but it's not anything that I'm saying, you know, you take out on the second mortgage on. <laughs> He's a great fighter, a great person, a great interview. Uh, always love interviewing Mick Conlon. Um, and I'm sure we're going to be seeing him along the way here for a long time. So you'd mentioned stateside. Of course, we have some fights stateside. Um, Showtime Boxing is back. They announced their massive fall schedule. And um, we have David Benavidez headlining. He is a young guy. He's big. He's got knockout power. He's impressed, especially recently in his fights. Um, so he is another pretty big favorite. I'm looking at five dimes right now. He's at minus 750. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you make of the David Benavidez fight and any spots for value in that? Benavidez is a freight train. And if I'm looking at it at 168, he would be the favorite in the books against anybody. And that's against a technician that might actually be ill-suited for him in Caleb Plant. Um, And personally, I think that he would be way too much pressure and power for somebody even like Canelo Alvarez. I don't know what the line would be on that if if Canelo was going to come down and and fight at 168 after his recent campaign at 175. Um, With this fight... It's not the names that we would want. And that's been one of the frustrations with Benavides. Um, but Benavides has provided fireworks whenever he's come in. Unless we forget, Benavides is very young. And so PBC tends to do this and bring along their fighters the right way to get them to a place where they have some pay-per-view value. And I think that's pretty much in line what's going on here. Uh, the two fighters in this fight have over a 70% knockout ratio. These guys come to fight. They are throwing fists. And when I look at this and I say, okay, I don't want in any situation where a fighter like Benavides, whose defense is his offense, he throws enough punches so that you can't get off. 
is going up against a guy that does have a heavy hand. And Gulo is no slouch when it comes to bringing in the power. Like I said, he has a high KO percentage. I wouldn't want to lay 700, you know, to win 100. There's no comfort there in guys with knockouts and so or have knockout potential. And so I look at this and I go, okay. What are my propositions? They're not there yet. Uh, they haven't been released over in the UK or here. If there is a proposition where you could get, say, knockouts in the later rounds, a lot of times they do round group pairing, whether it be by two rounds or three rounds or six rounds for bigger fights, you can get a little bit more attractive money than just saying he's going to knock out in general. I do believe Benavides will knock him out. I do believe that he knows that he needs to have a special showing. And I think that that pressure overwhelms pretty much anybody. But Angulo's going to handle his biz, probably clap him back a couple of times. And I see it going past the midways of the rounds. No over under on the rounds yet. Uh, but betting Benavides on a knockout was one of my biggest bets last year against Darrell, um, and who had never been knocked out before. It was minus 150. I bet the farm on it, and it was great. Uh, I don't see us getting the same type of line this fight. Uh, we'll have to wait and see what the UK lines makers make that. Benavidez, uh, it's interesting because he is a knockout guy. He is also sometimes, in a way, a slow starter. It takes him a few rounds yes. to get to, to get to know you a little bit. Um, he has that stalking style, just moving straight ahead. Um, but he also has some early knockouts. So sometimes he just has the power and knocks these guys out early. So it's, it's very interesting in that way. Uh, props to you for knowing that, or at least predicting that he was going to knock out Darrell. Darrell is a very, very, very tough guy. I spent a lot of time with him. He's, he's gone through a lot of adversity in yes. life, coming back from cancer, a motorcycle accident, things like that. And he is a very, very, very tough out. And I still, I still think he is a uh, beast in the division. So that was a great bet by you, uh, figuring that Benavides would get the stoppage there. So, we mentioned the Showtime card. There's a couple undercard fights. There's Romero yeah. and Marinez. There's Otto Valin versus Travis Kaufman. Uh, we know Valin and Kaufman, I believe, both were affected with coronavirus, so they're back sure. now. Um, it'll be interesting to see how they rebound from that. And also, Otto Valin is coming off of this spectacular 12th round versus Tyson Fury. He opened up the cut early against Fury, and then late in that fight, if you watch that 12th round, he unloaded the tank. He wasn't able to get the finish, but props to him for that. So he may be writing them that momentum as well, just saying, hey, my last time in the ring, I was going for it. So any thoughts on, on these undercard fights on Showtime? Absolutely. Otto is one of those cases where you win when you lose. Few fighters have profited more than Otto Valin uh, off of a loss. You see what Tyson Fury did to the recent baddest man on the planet. And then you see what Otto did. And you recognize in those situations, one, fighters ought to take more fights and be willing to risk their O uh, because nobody has benefited it more than Otto. In this fight uh, with Kaufman, Kaufman has been inactive of course a lot of fighters have but it's been a while since we've seen him step in the question is there's a lot of variables in this auto has opened up as a minus 1000 favorite or a one to ten and you're not going to want to lay that much money and we've talked about this already that there's a lot of chalk and so you look at where the propositions lay the interesting thing will be in a fight like this, do you think that Otto has the type of pressure and power to wear somebody down? Or is Kaufman, who has been in with some good fighters before, be able to last? Is there any wear and tear from having COVID? And how will that impact it? With no lines out, plus or minus on the propositions, 
can't tell you what I think the right bet would be. I will say, however, you have to look at somebody like Otto and say, if I can handle the best heavyweight in the world and that power and that pressure for 12 rounds, I'm not scared at all. And I have a brand new outlook on life. And I, I think that he's going to have that in that fight. I think he's not going to be afraid to take a punch, uh, you know, or get mixed in. And if Kaufman, if the undefeated champ, whether it be gambling or in the ring, is time. You know, father time wins every single fight. And it, it might be the time for time to take out. Uh, Kaufman. And if that is to happen, you can look at something happening in the later rounds. Wallin's not going to knock you out with one punch, but if he can collectively put on those punches and those that type of pressure, you might see that one end early. And I'm always a fan of the narrative. The PBC has recently signed him to a multi-fight deal, and they would like nothing more than a stoppage victory in this. So we'll keep an eye on what the props are and see if there's any value when it comes to a stoppage. Absolutely. You got to look at the motivation here uh, for each fighter. And we also have, of course, uh, The Zone. It's Matchroom Boxing's return to America from Tulsa. It's a stacked card. Main event, Cecilia Breikhaus versus Jessica McCaskill. I was lucky enough to interview both fighters. And I think uh, really interesting storylines on this one. Breikhaus is going to uh, look to shatter Joe Lewis's record in terms of title defenses. But on the other side of it, Jessica McCaskill, she's no slouch. Uh, she's going for the knockout. She's she's motivated. She's prepared. And, and she is definitely taking this opportunity very, very, very seriously. She knows what's at stake here. So that's going to be a very interesting fight. I saw earlier Brightcast was at minus 600. I'm looking now in five dimes. She's at minus 650. Um, so, again, this isn't a case of where – McConlin or Frampton is is you know some huge favorite right this yes. there, there's this is actually a closer fight One right of closer fights yes yes it is and uh, um, it's it's a stack card so what do you make of, of that fight in the card sure so. You're absolutely right. Cecilia is one of the most enjoyable interviews, most pleasant people to talk to. Uh, they, her moniker, the first woman of boxing, is true. And many would argue that she's she should be considered the quote after you know this fight. And maybe she'll get that opportunity uh, after this fight. The lines are indicative of somebody who has all those belts, all those titles and defenses, and you wouldn't. Uh, put it much closer than that. Just given her talent, her size that she has in this fight, even though it's the same weight, it's not. In women's boxing, uh, the weight rather fluctuates pretty easily. And uh, Cecilia is a bigger, stronger fighter in this fight. Uh, that is not to say that McCaskill doesn't have skill. I had said on my show this week that I think that this is actually, you know, a real good test usually a champion rises to said test. I think the best case scenario, when you look at it from McCaskill, if you're trying to like put a bet on McCaskill, you would have to argue that she might have to knock her out. In this type of situation where you're looking at Brekusi, she doesn't get KO'd. She is going to be a favorite on the cards to get this story that Matchroom and Zone could profit off of and that they're pushing. Um, the only situation would be where she would knock somebody out. And I don't see that happening. I don't like to lay 
that much money against as good a fighter as Jessica. And so then I'm looking at the propositions and Cecilia to win by decision is around minus two fifty. Um, in that's a little bit to lay for an exact proposition. But if you are somebody that's looking for action across the board, perhaps somebody that likes a little bit of parlay fodder that can put in a minus two fifty with maybe something else that you really, you know, enjoy on the weekend, that seems like a most likely of decisions. Women's boxing doesn't have a lot of knockouts. Cecilia isn't somebody to just knock somebody out. And especially with that good of talent, I see it going the distance and I see Cecilia winning on the cards in that fight. And minus 250 might be something that you like to add into a parlay. Or if you have that current money, you might just want to throw it all on there and uh, feel comfortable with it. Yep. You know me, man, just Falling out of control. That's crazy. Um, no, you're exactly right. And, and the case for Jessica McCaskill is, as you said, she needs to get the knockout. Her mindset is going for the knockout. She said she wants to get a knockout. But just because you want to do that doesn't necessarily mean you can. No one has beaten Cecilia Breikhouse. Uh, she's undefeated through her entire career and let alone knocked her out. So that's going to be very, very difficult to do. Uh, but that's why we watch the fights and that's why we right. love this sport. So there's also an undercard there. Uh, there's Madrimov versus Walker, which is an interesting fight. And there's also a lot of showcase fights. We're going back to those wide uh, odds. There's Mark Castro, uh, Nikita, Bobby, White Chocolate, who I know you know well. It's spoke yep. to on your show. I spoke to Raymond Ford, a.k.a. Savage. He's yep. a rising star in, his, in our sport. He's fighting Manriquez. I was looking at Manriquez's record. They actually put him in against a lot of undefeated prospects on the way up and he mm -hmm. usually serves as you know i hate to say it in boxing but a stepping stone but he actually yeah. did defeat one of those undefeated fighters along the way um any value at all at all in this undercard so you're seeing a lot of chalk on the undercards and i hate to be a you know a broken record in this but for anybody that is used to boxing you're used to seeing that um and then you're really trying to find those needle in a haystacks where you can uh, you know, find a little bit of value. This is a gambling show. And so the biggest thing that I can always recommend is watching these prospects when they come up and see what their nature is, see what they do in certain situations, get an idea when you're watching these fighters to get uh, a better understanding of where you should put your money down the road, the better that you understand what you're you know, doing later on, the better, and that's better for your pocketbook. One of the things that I want anybody to keep their eye on is uh, Gaiasov versus Soto, oh, Rojo. Uh, in that fight, Rojo has never been down by knockout. Uh, Gaiasov has got one of the best left hooks that I've seen coming up right now. Um, and the knockout, uh, because uh, his opponent has never really been down before, that prop is pretty juicy for a guy that's going to be a massive favorite in the fight, minus 3,000. And the uh, knockout prop is priced around minus 150, minus 175 in early UK markets. I'm going to be keeping an eye on that uh, fight. As far as the other undercards, it's hard to see. Madrimov always knocks out everybody, and that's minus 500. Now, can you take that and maybe put it with a Cecilia, you know, by decision? It's hard when you're putting parlays on exact outcomes at that big of a price number. Uh, so I would say that on the majority of the undercard, enjoy watching Ford, enjoy watching Madrimov, uh, enjoy watching Ababi. See these guys, see what their tendencies are, see how they react to certain types of fighters, whether they're taller, smaller, southpaws, et cetera, and take those 
put it in your notes and then say in six months later, if you can see some value somewhere, you take that and you make your money later on. Nothing wrong with just getting some data points and watching some young fighters do their thing and be showcased. Ringwalk John, want to thank you so much for your time. Just to close it out, last question, tell people where they can find you and where they can hear more of your great analysis. At Ringwalk, great analysis, I don't know. Mediocre, at Ringwalk John, and then the podcast is Ringwalk Podcast. You can find it on YouTube and anywhere that uh, the audio platforms have. Jonathan Lear, thanks so much for the time. Thanks so much for the time and enjoy the fights this weekend. Thank you, my friend. You too. This podcast is brought to you by squaresandsharps.com. Squares and Sharps is what winners wear. We are the brand for sports bettors. Please visit squaresandsharps.com for high-quality sports betting apparel and gear. Use promo code CURRIN2020 for 15% off your next order and for free shipping. Do you like Jorge Masvidal's Scarface-inspired suit? It was created by Mohan's Custom Tailors of NYC. Turn your own dream into a reality. Visit the legendary Mohan's Custom Tailors located steps away from Grand Central at 301 Madison Avenue. You can contact them at 212-697-0050 or by visiting mohansnyc.com. Make an appointment now. If you're enjoying this show, check out my other podcast, Ask the Experts with Karen Bhatia. It's available on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. And check out my YouTube page, youtube.com backslash Karen Bhatia. I am Karen Bhatia. This is Squares and Sharps. I am chatting with Dan Canobio. You know him as the Copybox operator, host of Inside Boxing Live on Fubo TV, which is a tremendous show. I recommend you check it out Thursday nights at 7 p.m. Eastern. It's even better when I'm on the show. That's when it's especially good, but it's pretty good other times as well. <laughs> Dan, we've been lucky to cover boxing for a long, long, long time. We've been ringside at a bunch of fights together. No one expected boxing to stop down the way it did, but now it's back. How pumped are you that these fights are back? I mean, I get more and more excited every single week when I look at the boxing schedule. It's getting better and better. Of course, it started off last month with Top Rank when they introduced their bubble format. You know, had some criticism, had some praise as well of them being able to put on an event or events every single Tuesday and Thursday like that. Didn't exactly get the biggest fights, but if you take a look at the schedule uh, in August, it's going to get better. And in September, it's going to get even better with Showtime uh, rolling out their uh, schedule. Some pay-per-view fights mixed in there. Also, Mike Tyson and Roy Jones. I know that's going to happen in November. There are better and better fights happening. It's always great to see boxing on. I'll literally watch anybody fight, but now we're going to start to see more world champions get into the ring. This upcoming weekend alone, there are fights on multiple different platforms, so things are starting to feel normal once again yes they are the first step was just to get these bubbles into shape make the protocols happen and they just put fights together um and now it seems like networks and promoters are working on getting us more competitive matchups and that's what we're all looking for now let's talk about some of these fights now i I say that and this first round of fights aren't necessarily the most competitive they're more like you could say showtime uh showcase fights excuse me and that's of course on espn plus that's on saturday august 15th we have carl frampton in his bout Mike Mick Conlin, as we know, he's, he's a great fighter. He's fighting on his bout. They're fighting on the same card, so it adds some intrigue that we can see two great, well-known fighters, but they're not necessarily fighting the best opposition, right, Dan? Right. Think about the odds for these. They're exorbitant. You know, neither these guys are – these are step-up step fights, but these are fights, uh, showcase fights. Both guys have 
bigger fights on the horizon. Both guys have, are going in much different directions than their opponents uh, in their upcoming fights coming up. Mick Conlon is very highly rated in his weight class. He is a title shot upcoming. And, of course, Carl Frampton has a, 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 a date which has been thrown around a lot and also has, has not come to fruition with Jamel Herring. That's another big fight for Frampton. These are stay busy fights. These are fights for that the you know f- f- fighters ex air promoter. Listen, I'm tired of working out in my garage. I'm tired of working out in my backyard with the pandemic. Get me in there versus a live body. Let me work out some things. And and for Mick Conlon, you know he was hit a lot in his last fight. His last fight over uh, on the that Tiafimo Lopez Comey card. Also Bud Crawford fought on it as well over at Madison Square Garden. I feel like maybe Conlon's hearing some of the criticisms. You know, a lot of people say that you know he's a duck and move type of fighter, not your traditional you know, Irish fighter that stands there and brawls. He stood in the pocket in his last fight, and he exchanged a lot. Got hit the tag the most he's ever had in, in his career. That's something to keep an eye on. Is, is he going to go in there and step forward to his opponent? Is he going to go try to take him out to make a statement, or is he going to go in there and box and, and get round? So I can see a lot of that happening in, in both fights where guys maybe want to work on on some things. And you might see some, some rounds in there or maybe, you know, carry their opponents, for lack of a better term. And we know Mick Conlon, he's a rising star in this sport. But as you said, he in his last fight, even though he won basically every round on almost every judge's scorecard, uh, he didn't get the knockout. And it was also a personal fight for him. He was fighting his rival, uh, Vladimir Nikitin. So there was a lot on the line for him. I spoke to him afterwards. He said he was looking forward to Christmas break. He really didn't want to lose because he just wanted to enjoy Christmas. So maybe he just was okay with kind of cruising to a win. But to your point, I mean, the mental aspect is going to play a factor in this. He wants to... Uh, put on a show. He wants to get a knockout. He wants to show his presence in the sport, right? Yeah, I mean, you would think so. You would, you know, you don't want to go in there and take a- any extra punishment that you don't have to take. But on the other side of things, you want you need rounds. Who knows when the next time Mick Collins in a, a meaningful fight? Like I said, he's I think he's ranked number one in the WBO in his weight class. You know, should, do you want to get rounds in there and, and try to work on some things, or do you want to make a statement? I mean, he's got, he can pretty much go in there and do whatever he wants, considering the level of opposition that he's facing. So I really think it's up to McCollum being as talented as he is. The odds are very wide for both of these guys, Frampton and Conlon. So it might be a tough spot to put money in, even though we feel pretty strongly that both these guys are going to win. They're basically being set up for their next fight, right, which could be title limiters, title fights, things like that, right? Yeah, of course. Both guys, like I said, have big fights on the horizon. Stay busy fight. They're fighting in their backyard. I don't know. I don't think there's going to be fans there. But, you know, a lot of people in Northern Ireland will tune in. I think a lot of people in the States will tune in as well because you see those two names. You, you, boxing fans are, are will watch pretty much anything. But you throw two names on there. Now it's time for you want to see how they look. You want to see same thing with fights that are upcoming this weekend. David Benavides, I know you're going to want to touch on that in a little bit. You tune in to see how they look. Is there a new wrinkle in their game? Is there, you know, how are they, how did they train properly during uh, the, the coronavirus pandemic? So there's a lot of things to look forward to with Conlon and Frampton. Absolutely. It's always interesting when they do the fight poster and they put two guys that are on the card on the fight poster. Not They're not fighting each other, but they're both on the card. So that lets you know in terms of what kind of showcase event it is. So you mentioned David Benavidez. We know on Showtime, he is the headliner. Uh, Showtime Boxing is back. They announced their big schedule, as we know. Um, David Benavidez, he's a rising star in our sport. He's a great young fighter. Sometimes he doesn't get his due when a lot of people mention young fighters. We've talked about that at length. You spoke to David Benavidez. 
Benavidez recently. Um, so any inside info, anything you can share with us from your conversation with David Benavidez? It's one of the best interviews of boxing. The kid really gets it. And only 24 years old, soon to be uh, a father. He's got a baby on the way, his first kid. So you can tell that he's like coming into his own, maturing. He even said that he, he said this is another fight against, uh, you know, Romer and Gulo where the guy might be 10 years older than him. You know, that guy has grown man strength. I haven't even found my grown man strength. But if you take a look at his resume, David Benavides, he has a lot of knockouts on there. Prolific offensive fighter, throws close to 70 punches per round, uh, which is tops among the super middleweights. You know, lands a ton of punch, uh, lands like close to 20 punches around. You know, take a look at the offensive stats in the super middleweight division. David Benavidez, his name is at the top. But what I found most interesting, something that I brought up to him, is his defensive numbers are improving as well. His last 10 fights, the first five, he was getting hit with 40% uh, of total punches. That's a really high clip for a championship caliber fighter. He's got that down to under 30% in his last five. And also in his last five fights, he's been fighting better opposition. So that he's trending in the right direction defensively. And ultimately, I think that's going to be really good for his career moving forward. Absolutely. He's got size. He's only 23 years old. It seems like sky's the limit. He also has been tested, knocked out Jay Leon Love, took on Anthony Durrell, who is a very, very tough fighter, skilled fighter, and he was able to get the knockout there as well. It's safe to say that he'll be going for the knockout, especially being the headliner on Showtime Boxing. You know that that's going to be extra motivation for him. Uh, so definitely looking forward to that one. Also on the card, uh, I think we call this the coronavirus fight. It's Otto Wallin versus Travis Kaufman. So we saw Otto Wallin against Tyson Fury. Uh, even though Fury won that fight, Otto Wallin really tested him, opened up the gash early on. And then Otto Wallin had one hell of a 12th round. So I would think just as an observer that he might try to ride that momentum. That 12th round against Fury, he really went for it all. Yeah, it's been a tough go of it for Otto Valin. Came down with the coronavirus in uh, early on in, in late March. Scott Asylum had a broken foot as well. And I caught up with him a few times over the months to check in on him. He was working out at home just like everyone else in New York City. Took it to Central Park. But, you know, coming off of his last fight with Tyson Fury, Otto Valin landed the most punches of any opponent of Tyson Fury. Go up there, up and down. More than Deontay Wilder, more than Derek Chisora. You know, go up and down. More than, of course, more than Klitschko because that fight absolutely stunk. But Otto Valin had a really good performance against Tyson Fury. He was riding a lot of momentum, but just like everyone else in the world right now, momentum came to a, a, a halt in uh, 2020. But he looks to get back in there. Uh, he's a good offensive fighter. Uh, he's got good defense as well. He's just a really well-rounded uh, heavyweight and someone that I think uh, will make a name for himself in the division, whether it's a B-side or he works his way up to a title shot. Yes, sir. I, if you look at his fight versus Tyson Fury, I mean, landing the most punches on him. Fury is, is a big guy, but he can move. So it's very difficult to do that. So credit to Otto Valian for doing that. And it seems like he's recovered now uh, from Corona and it seems like he'll be back in, in, you know, top shape. So that'll be a very interesting bout. We also have even more boxing. This is great, Dan. We, we went with months without live boxing. We also have boxing on the zone and this is a big card. It's match rooms, a return to America. It's a stacked card and it is headlined by Cecilia Brykus versus Jessica McCaskill. So what we know is Brykus is going to shatter the record set by Joe Lewis in terms of record title defenses uh but she's a little bit older in age Brighthouse is mccaskill's a few years younger she's hungry uh she's going for the knockout so what do you think about that main event on the zone 
If you take a look at just from an odds standpoint, just from a gambling standpoint, I think this is the closest odds you have of all the fights uh, this upcoming weekend. A lot of mismatches on the schedule, a lot of uh, debuts, and a lot of fight, showcase fights. But this right here is probably your closest fight. And, and Cecilia Brickhouse, she's getting up there in age, 37 years old. She's been in the game for a long time. He touched on some uh, accolades that she's been piling up. Tough fight. I mean, Jessica McCaskill is going to come in there and bring it. But you look, take a look at, at Cecilia Brickhouse's numbers. Just a really well-rounded fighter. Lands more than 40% of her power shots. Has a really good defense. Keeps her opponents underneath the, the, uh, the weight class average. I, I mean, if there's one fight that maybe you want to circle in on and you want to potentially bet on, it's the fact that Breakhouse is getting a little bit older and the fact that, you know, it has the, the best odds as well. The one thing you always have to look out for in a big fight like this is, is the mindset, the, the mental aspect. And Jessica McCaskill, she has nothing to lose and she's hungry. She actually um, had a day job. She's put that to the side. She's working from home and that allows her more time to train. And she's really rising up to this opportunity. And on the other side of it, I'm not saying Brykhouse isn't motivated. She definitely is. But she's been training for a long time. She's been up in Big Bear. So there's always a concern of overtraining, especially at age 38. And the other part of it is she's kind of looking ahead a little bit at maybe the Taylor Persone winner. Um, she's mentioned a couple other people. We know about uh, Clarissa Shields also as a possible opponent. So it's never good when a fighter is maybe overestimating an opponent, looking ahead of them. Uh, to, so to your point, maybe this is an opportunity uh, for some value. Also on the undercard, Israel Madrimov and Eric Walker. I know there's a lot of interesting storylines on this one. What's going on with this fight? You know, Majramov is one of these Eastern European fighters that have been taken on the boxing scene by storm. Uh, take a look at his uh, Instagram or Twitter page. You can see him some crazy training regimens. I posted one the other day where he's like walking up a mountain, some guy holding his legs, doing push-ups. The guy is a freak. He's being, you know, streamlined up the ranks. Uh, this is a title eliminator. I think he has under 10 fights or, or, or 12 fights. Doesn't have a lot of fights. And he's been knocking dudes out left and right. Can't exactly get a lot of opponents for him. He is the next big thing in boxing, I think, in terms of, uh, you know, take a look at his movement in there. He's got great footwork. The guy's going to be a champion uh, sooner than later. Standing in his way, Brandon Walker, a guy that I got to know uh, up close and personal uh, covering fights for Devella Entertainment. The guy's had a, a checkered past, a, a really long road to get to this point. Uh, was incarcerated at a very young age, picked up boxing while in prison, I think reeled off something like a 67-1 and one record, learned how to box while in jail, came out, was on the Contender Series, uh, came up just short of the Contender Series. Now he's fighting in a title luminaire, so well-deserved uh, for Brandon Walker, but, man, he's in tough with uh, Majoron. That will be an interesting fight. I think to your point when we were speaking earlier, you said not a lot of people want to fight Madrimov, but Eric Walker is taking on the task. Madrimov having success, getting these knockouts. So maybe that's something to look out for in terms of uh, betting on the knockout there. So also on the card, there's a bunch of young fighters, prospects, up-and-coming fighters. I spoke to uh, Raymond Ford, goes by Savage. He's fighting Eric Manriquez. If you look at Manriquez's record, it looks like they often put him up with undefeated, his undefeated fighters. His last uh, six or seven fights have been against undefeated fighters. He's lost to most of them except for one. I personally think uh, the Raymond Ford train is going to continue to roll on that one. Um, but it'll be interesting to see Nikita Bobby, a.k.a. White Chocolate. He's been cruising, doing his thing on the zone, building up his popularity uh, from Brooklyn, New York. And then Mark Castro making his debut, another uh, well-known fighter. So 
I just wanted to ask you about the mindset of young fighters in these showcase situations. There's a lot of pressure on their shoulders because they're on TV or in this case on, you know, the streaming app in front of a large audience. Um, and there's a lot of pressure to maybe get a knockout to look good. You don't want to stink up the joint and, and get out there with the, like, you know, some kind of unanimous decision win or majority decision or anything like that, because you have a lot of future opportunities at stake, right? Yeah, so it happens a lot with the young fighters, the prospects. You know, they're in this this catch-22 of I want to knock someone out, I want to make sports center, I want to make a name for myself, I got to make the most of this opportunity. But I also don't want to expose myself. And I also don't want to, you know, go too far and I get caught with something. And you talk about the, one of the opponents is a gatekeeper. The guy's been in there with, with a ton of undefeated fighters. He's in there for a reason because he wants to give uh, a, a up-and-comer, an, up an undefeated fighter some rounds. So, yeah, it is, it's tough, especially – in these times today, did he get proper training? That's something you have to keep an eye on with all these fights. A lot of these guys are training in hotel rooms. Just talking to David Benavides, he's going to continue to to train and hit mitts in his hotel suite. So how that trickles down all the way down to the bottom. So, of course, when these guys make their, their debuts or their upcoming under-10 fights, they want to really impress, but they have to do it smart. You can't go in there and be a whirlwind just to say that I want to make you know the highlight reels. You've got to be smart in there. And I expect these guys to be smart because they look at the pedigrees on all of these guys. They are fast tracking, and uh, that's a trend that we're seeing in boxing a lot. No longer do you have to be 25, 30, and over for your title shot. You'll see guys get title shots within 10 fights. So you know, they always have to look good and always have to show out. It'll be interesting to see how this lockdown plays a factor for these young fighters, because when you're a young fighter, Dan, you know this, uh, we, we cover young fighters all the time. They usually fight four five, even six times a year sometimes, and they, they get it rolling. And now you have this lockdown where, you know, they weren't able to fight, they weren't able to compete. Um, and they're going to be very hungry to get in there. But to your point, you don't want to get too overzealous and maybe, you know, punch yourself out or anything like that. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how those young fighters do on that, the zone card my lock lock is raymond ford i spoke to him he's a composed young man he's been training uh, he's from uh, newark new jersey uh he stayed he stayed ready for this opportunity so i think that uh he's going to find a way to get the win and probably look impressive along the way if you had to pick uh, a lock from some of these fights that that we talked about what would that be i'd probably go back and forth between a benavidez stoppage and a, a madrimov stoppage as well uh, those two guys are world-class talents. They're the best two fighters fighting this weekend. Um, I think that those two guys are your best locks. You know, of course, you got to take a look at the odds and, and some of the also prop bets as well. But if I had to put some money on it, I would always, you know, safe bet is always on a guy like David Benavidez and an up-and-comer like Israel Madrimov. There might be some value there, not only just betting on them for the win, but obviously going for the knockout or taking an over-under, something like that. Um, and like you said, those guys uh, – I have a propensity to get the knockout and they're also trending in the right direction, which I know I think is, is incredibly important. So in terms of the fights that we spoke about uh, on the other side of the coin, any, any favorites that you think may lose anything that, you know, something a little bit weird may happen. What, what, what is standing out to you from some of the other fights we talked about? I mean, it's a tough weekend. We just talked about the fact that there's a lot of fights, but a lot of fights were showcases, a lot of fights were debuts, a lot of fights stay busy fights. I guess the Cecilia Breakhouse fight, has the best odds, the closest odds. That's one fight I would keep an eye on. It's a main event over on the zone. Cecilia Breakhouse getting uh, you know up there in age and facing a really tough opponent. Maybe like you said, looking ahead to bigger fights on the schedule for, for Breakhouse upcoming. That's one fight that I would circle in on that maybe we could see an upset. 
a lot of unknowns there in the Brekas fight. And I think the biggest unknown is just what Jessica McCaskill will bring. You know, she's only had 10 pro fights, uh, but the I spoke to her. The mindset's there. The training regimen is there. Um, and in terms of Brekas, you know, we talked about the record. Some people have said, you know, this, this title record it maybe hasn't been against the best opposition. My counterpoint to that would probably be, um, you know, she's fought everyone that's, that's come in front of her and she's 36 and 0, uh, no losses. So uh, that'll be really interesting to see that main event. I'm definitely looking forward to it. So Dan, I want to thank you for breaking it down, giving us your analysis. So last question, let people know where they can find you and whether they can watch all the great work that you do. You can check us out over on the Fugo Sports Network every single Thursday night at 7 p.m. We have a boxing show where we interview uh, different fighters who break down the fights. Check us out over on the CompuBox handle as well. Uh, where I throw out a lot of punch stats, a lot of uh, you know weight class leaders, and all that, that sort of stuff. So you know, just staying busy. Boxing is back in a very big way. Expect more big fights on the schedule. It's a, a great time to be a boxing fan. It's a great time to be a boxing fan, Dan. Let's keep the dialogue going. Let's keep talking about what people can uh, look for in these fights, where they can find value. Because as you said, there's a pretty busy uh, schedule coming together this fall. It's great. I mean, uh, get your fingers ready. Oh, I do a copy box, and I'm just I'm just ready to go. <laughs> Dan, thanks so much. And that brings us to the end. Thank you so much for joining me. Enjoy the great fights this weekend. UFC 252, all the boxing and all the different platforms and networks. I hope you enjoyed my conversations with the great guests and analysis. I hope you found some spots for value. Enjoy the fights. Check out squaresandsharps.com. Thanks so much.